I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. joining again this week. I'm, I'm talking about this week I'm going to cover the topic that you all wanted me to cover and I've gotten so many requests for this and uh, I, you know what why not. Last week I talked about insecurity. That was the episode. I talked about my insecurity, your insecurity, how it permeates all of the things that we're doing. I got fairly philosophical on it, rambled a little bit, but I think it was all pretty good info and so thank you for the good feedback from everyone on that. I know it, it struck a chord. In that episode, I told you I was going to cover four things over these next few weeks. And one of them, the biggest one, they're all tied to insecurity, but the biggest one, which I probably should have saved for the fourth one so that you folks will keep listening in, uh, but I'm covering it first and foremost, it's imposter syndrome. Today is the episode where we talk about the dreaded imposter syndrome. And if you know, you've had it, everybody's had it, we've all had that kind of anxiety and and. Uh, insecurity that comes with a new job, a new role. We're sitting at a table. We may not think we're supposed to be there. Imposter syndrome is pretty common. Pretty, it's a bit of a buzzword. It's becoming a buzzword when you kind of fly around the the coaching circles that that I operate in and and all coaches operate in. I guess we've got some of these these typical situations that people you know you've got inner saboteur and you've got imposter syndrome and you've got this thing that thing the other thing. Um, there, there are a few buckets. I would say 60% of my clients deal with this in some aspect, um, or at least we've talked about it in, in our coaching. I would say everybody's probably dealt with it. Nobody's that good that we're not dealing with imposter syndrome. But what many people, why many people have asked me to talk about it on here is one, I've dealt with it and I've shared my story with a few individuals. They liked it and they want more. So of course, I'll always give you more. But what people really want is they're sitting in meetings right now and beyond, right? They need a strategy on how to respond to imposter syndrome. There is an insecurity aspect of being found out as a fraud, or at least we think we're going to be found out as a fraud. And um, there, it's this internal mental block that we have in remembering all of the things that we've accomplished and remembering the value that we bring to the table and recognizing that we're supposed to be there with these people sitting around the table saying, yes, I'm part of this club. How do you get your mind in there to provide the value that you think you are capable of providing? It's big. It's a big topic. It's It permeates boardrooms and, and C-suite rooms and, and everything across the board. So if you're dealing with this, I want you to know you and everybody else. So that's okay. Know that you're not alone. Let me start with telling you what imposter syndrome actually is. I'm going to talk a little bit about how it ties to insecurity. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story and, and how I dealt with imposter syndrome. And then I'll give you some strategies at the end on, on how to deal with it. And I'll fast forward to the end right now is I'm not going to be able to fix it for you. I'm going to give you things to think about because you need to tie this up in your brain. And there is a reflective exercise that I'm going to give you. You have to think about it. You have to figure this out for yourself, but I can give you that framework and ask you those types of questions. Anybody who tells you they could fix your imposter syndrome is lying to you because it's your syndrome and everybody else's. 
So with that, uh, let's talk about what it is. Imposter syndrome is, it's a psychological phenomenon that um, an individual, a person, let's say, I don't know, me, uh, <laughs> questions and doubts their, their capability, their skills, their talents, their accomplishments. Uh, there is always this fear of, you know what, they're going to figure me out, that I'm not actually good enough. You know, the, the word that flies around, around imposter syndrome a lot is that I'm a fraud. And many people deal with that, especially at a time when you're getting a promotion, especially at a time when you're, you're in a high stakes, challenging environment, especially when you work in a place with other high achievers. And we often link ourselves to what they're capable of and their expertise. And, and we diminish ourselves in that light. And uh, we, we incorrectly attribute our success to luck. And we incorrectly attribute our success to, yeah, I scam my way into this. And uh, these people think I'm more intelligent than I actually am. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about humility on this, but we have this idea, many of us do anyway, of putting ourselves down uh, in this false humility, I call it, so that we can't be, so we don't want to be seen as arrogant. We don't want to be seen as overconfident. And we also don't want to be exposed, be exposed as a fraud. When in actuality, we're not frauds. We're actually diligent working individuals. We're extremely hardworking individuals. We have a lot to learn and we have a lot to bring to the table. And the reason we're invited to the table is because of all that we've accomplished and we do, that we do and, and, and the value that we bring to our table. So some would say there's different types of imposter syndrome. Um, I guess anything can be categorized, I guess. Uh, but the, the thing that's interesting to me, it's not, it's not a full disorder, but it's linked very closely, a lot of the research now, it's linked to depression and anxiety and low self-esteem and, and a lot of mental disorders. So when we think about mental health, the imposter syndrome that we're dealing with, there, there are links to that mental wellness that, that we have to, we really have to focus on for ourselves. And so if you want to, uh, I know you want to, I know you want to, it's not if you want to, go back and listen to my podcast on wellness. Uh, I did a four podcast series, overall wellness, and then physical wellness, mental wellness, and social wellness. Listen to them because figuring out the self-love thing, figuring out the uh, belief system thing, these are my aspects of mental wellness are three threefold, self-care, self-love, and belief system. And you know, normally we say it's physical, mental, and spiritual. The belief system is part of the mental. So I don't actually put the spiritual on its own category. We need that social aspect as well. But um, the place where imposter syndrome can be resolved, and, and think about this as I give you your exercises at the end, are the self-love aspect in terms of recognizing your greatness, recognizing what you're capable of, recognizing that what you do has value, no matter what it is, Forgiving yourself when you make a mistake, recognizing that nobody's perfect, teach it as a lesson rather than a punishment, but then also your belief system. And when we, we are, what I mean by belief system is answering the question, what do I actually believe? And a belief is not a truth. Okay. Just because you believe God exists doesn't mean that he truly exists. Not, not to get too heavy. Just because you believe uh, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player doesn't mean he actually is the greatest basketball player. Uh, and that's why people debate things, because they believe X and Y, but we can't prove it. So it's not true necessarily, but it's a strong belief. And when you have a good, solid belief system in place, the only way to have that 
is to understand all aspects of the story. That's how you solidify what you actually believe because you've explored all of the other options. And you say, yep, I've taken a look at this whole picture. This is what I believe and this is it. The reason it's so important is because then you are able to argue, discuss, have conversations from a, a, a view of logic, from an angle of logic rather than emotion. You're not defending a belief. Okay, you can't defend beliefs. You believe it, whatever. You could talk about it and explore it, but it allows us to ask better questions. And imposter syndrome is solved by asking really, really good questions. And you can't believe anything. You can't be you know, completely secure in your abilities without understanding all sides of what you're dealing with and, and all of that good stuff. So I won't rehash that completely, but that's important to go into that level of detail because we're talking about imposter syndrome. You're sitting at work and you're sitting across the board table from all of the senior executives at your firm now all of a sudden, or maybe severe, big, significant potential clients, and you need to up your game in order to execute at the level that they're expecting of you. So let's tie it to my clients, let's tie it to my story, and let's tie it back to insecurity. I think you can recognize how imposter syndrome is linked to insecurity. It's really the same thing, right? And, and how do we get more secure in recognizing our greatness at work? And it's not even recognizing greatness. It's recognizing capability, right? Um, many of my clients are in the transition from executive director to managing director, managing director to C-suite. They're managing a, maybe a very high-performing team, and they don't necessarily feel like they should be managing those teams. There are a lot of these types of people, and I'm sure it resonates with you if you're working in this organization. You're probably listening to this show. Between 30 and 50, you are managing a team of, you're either a solo contributor or you're managing a team of up to maybe 15 to 20 people. Uh, you are looking at, you can see it out of the corner of your eye. You have your designs on it, maybe of getting one of those seats in the C-suite and uh, you want to, you, you have a long career ahead of you. You are motivated. You are talented. You are potentially what I would call the other hypo. I also did a podcast on that. Those people with hidden potential. Okay. Not necessarily being recognized. You're not on the fast track. You don't have the hypo label, the high potential label. You haven't been labeled by the organization as one of those people. So you don't necessarily get the validation and recognition from other people that you think you need to resolve your imposter syndrome, okay? But therein lies your failure, my friend. You're waiting for external validation for your imposter syndrome. And when we think about a misalignment between what other people think and what we think about ourselves, and this is very difficult for a lot of my clients to figure this out. It's, um, and it took me a long time to figure this out. If we're waiting for someone else to validate your work, you're going to be waiting a very long time. Because those other individuals are also looking for validation of their work that they're not necessarily thinking about validation for your work. So we have to create the validation ourselves. And we have to look for it in different ways. We can't just wait for someone to tell us that we're doing an amazing job. We have to create the great job that we think we're going to be doing. And so marrying our self-perception with what other people think it's a difficult thing to do because we don't always necessarily know what other people think. And so that's task number one. I want you to go figure out, find trusted people that you have around you and ask what skill sets, what value you bring and get that kind of honest feedback to say, look, when you look at me, 
what do I bring to the table according to you? Because you need to figure that out as well from your perspective. And many times the things that come so easily to us are things that other people recognize as great, but we diminish it because it just comes naturally to us. So for example, I grew up in a house with six kids. I have 75 first cousins. I will be damned if you could tell me that I can't have three conversations at one time while sitting around a dinner table. I will be damned if you think that I can't go into a room and figure out who's got something going on here and who's doing that and everything else. I could pick up the minutest details of other people. And you know what? It's an Irish family from the Bronx. So we know everything about uh, <laughs> everything about people. Now, when I go into a, a client... I can't just sit there and say, uh, I can tell what's going on in your world, in your world, in your world. You know, you can't really do that. But the fact that I can tune in, it's what makes me, I think, probably a great coach. I can tune into what's not being said from an individual in a conversation I'm having is phenomenal in getting people to accomplish something else and, and do what they were doing. And I'm very in tune with what people are trying to accomplish and getting them to push themselves a little bit further. Based on my experience, if you read the book, of my challenges of my insecurity, my challenges of, of being successful and finding accomplishment, my challenges of, of dealing with imposter syndrome, I can see it in many of my clients. That's a skill set that I have that other people would tell me that I would never think of until I actually reflected on it and said, wow, I actually, you know, I do that kind of well because I've lived it and I've experienced it. And so if you were to pause for a minute and say, what do I do or what experiences do I have that would give me something that's unique to me? And if you say there's nothing, you're wrong because everybody has at least five to 10 of these really, really good things. That based on what they've done and who they've surrounded themselves with, maybe you have um, amazing conversations with uh, single dads, right? Maybe you're a single dad and you kind of get the struggle and you're you're doing that. Maybe um, you have experience. Um, let's stick on the gender train with uh, with with being a successful female in the office in a male dominated industry. Right. Many people want that. I've had clients in, in finance and construction and all of these male dominated industries. The women there have experiences that could be shared with other people. And so when we think about what we've done and we reflect on what have we accomplished over time, there's experience and wisdom in all of that. That's what we're carrying to the table. And when we think about imposter syndrome and should I be sitting at this table, what we're bringing to the table is not just your idea that day. It's all of that perspective, all of that experience from the past. And our challenge when we sit there and we get nervous and we're afraid of being thought of as a fraud, that's emotion taking over logic. And I work a lot with my clients on separating the logic from emotion conundrum. And when you can have a logical conversation about something, emotions come out of it. And that's how we get productive solutions. We take emotion out of uh, this type of imposter syndrome discussion. And then all of a sudden you say, yes, I actually am an expert. In fact, we are all experts at this table. Steve's an expert in finance. Alice is an expert in legal. Uh, this person is an expert in whatever, and I might be an expert in people strategy, whatever it is. So imposter syndrome, like leadership, if you listen to my definition of leadership, it's a feeling. It's a feeling that defies our own logic, and we have to merge our feelings with the logic of what we're actually capable of doing. It's very easy to be intimidated 
by other people, especially, you know, we hear from, from all of these people, you have to surround yourself with five really great people and they will elevate and push you up. Rising tide lifts all boats and you will become better. And that's great. But when you sit with five really impressive people, all of a sudden you say, one of these things is not like the other. And that's me. And so it's difficult to surround yourself with these people who are going to challenge you, but at the same time, bring your best to challenge them to be better as well. And that's difficult. And I am, you know, my story is I am, I am extremely competitive by nature. If you know me, and I say this with a smirk, if you're watching this on, on the YouTube, on the YouTube um, I am a very competitive individual. And to my detriment, I would say, to my detriment. But the challenge with that is when you're competitive and you surround yourself with impressive people, all of a sudden you say, all right, you know, can I execute at that particular level? And how do I do that? And it takes a lot of work to be able to execute at an extremely high level. We can't just assume that we're going to be there. This isn't something that, oh, I, sur- I picked my five people, now make me great. You have to challenge yourself to elevate, to push them up to a higher level as well. When I became a coach, and you know what, I'll even go back. When I was in corporate, uh, I had the president of a business in finance tell me, you tell me what business you want to run, and you could run it. I will make sure it happens. You have what it is needed. And I would say, okay. right? I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't see myself in that particular way because I was sitting there with presidents around the table. I didn't see myself as a president, but other people did. And when he sat there and told me that, and I went, I said, wow, you know, that goes in my positivity document. And that's great. That felt nice. But I never thought about how I could elevate myself to actually take over that business at this banking firm. And so it happened again after I became a coach, as people started to say, oh, you know, you could do this. And would you come work for our company for this? And would you come do that? I said, wow, you know, I never thought about actually doing all of these types of things. My self-perception was never aligned with what other people saw. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm going through it now. I'm trying to figure it out. It's, you know, when we see other people as experts in their areas, it throws us off because we're not experts in their areas. But we, we need to remember that we're not experts in their areas because we're experts in our own areas. And we bring a different type of experts. And you need those different perspectives around the table. And you have to figure out what piece of the pie are you in executing for the bigger vision of the firm. And that's part of maturity. It's part of wisdom. It's part of growing up into your, your, your leadership skin, whatever it is. And when I think of, you know, imposter syndrome really comes down to, to, to leadership. And when I think of the best leaders that I knew, and I still know, you know, I, I don't not know people after a while, but hey, I, I knew them back then. I know them today. They're comfortable in their own skin. They ask really, really, really good questions. They aren't afraid to say they don't know anything. And if they, I'm sure they get the feeling of imposter syndrome, but they're comfortable recognizing what their lanes are and asking good questions. Say, how do I fit in with everybody else? And when you do that, you're not an imposter. You're part of the big pizza pie. You're part of the big pizza pie. And that's what we're looking for you to do. So ultimately, we need to marry self-perception, you, with what other people see. And uh, if you are in the position you are in right now, it's because people believe in you. If you're a managing director or an executive director, people believed in you enough to get you to that position. 
So how is your mindset ready that really there? Is your mindset at the level it's supposed to be? And how are you getting your mindset to the part where you could say, all right, I'm at managing director. What do I need to do to become a chief marketing officer, chief legal officer, whatever it is, chief people officer, name it, uh, chief insert title here officer. Or if you're an executive director, get to a managing director because what you have now is working towards that bigger thing, but you still have to work a little bit more to get to that to that next level. So here are the solutions that I want you to think about because I'm already at 20 minutes. I can ramble on these things so quickly. Uh, rah, 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 go team, go. So let's talk about, I'm going to talk about four things. One, I asked you to solicit information already. So this is number one. We have social structures in place. We have our support system. We have our micro interactions, the people we see all the time. We have people we truly trust. Solicit information. Because what you're ultimately trying to do, remember, is marry your self-perception because you have to believe it. You have to believe your self-perception with what other people see. And the only way to understand what other people see is to solicit this information. So what feedback and data, let's treat this logically, what feedback and data can you get and how does that pair with your view? And people are very willing to give you good, honest feedback if you set it up correctly. You just have to, add, you know, I'm working on this. I'm really trying to figure out what it is that I can do and objectively what can I do to make myself better? Or what do I do really, really well? What do I do really, really well? And give them some time to think about it and say, look, I'm going to ask you this this weekend. Come up with it. And, you know, are you willing to give me this type of feedback? All of that stuff. People will be willing to do it. Everybody loves helping people. So that's number one. Number two, uh, remember the, the value that you bring. And this could be anything. Okay, so what value? And go go back to my my growing up in a family of six kids thing. How are you having three conversations at once at the dinner table? What are those things that you do well? Uh, it could be artistic. It could be mathematical. It could be relationship-based. It could be sales-based. It could be anything. You have certain aspects of things that are unique to you. What value do you bring? That's one. Then flip it. And I asked this quickly on the last episode. I'm going to ask it again. What do people gain by working with you? By being around you? Okay, how are you? Who's going to pick you to be one of their five to elevate them to the next level? That's the value and, and what people gain by working with you. So focus on that. So that's one. One is social structures in place, get feedback. Two is remember the value you bring. Three is how does that impact other people? What do they gain? And then number four, we need the reminders that we're excellent. And I always go back. My, my go-to is always my positivity document. And everybody says it's a great idea. I don't know if anybody's actually started their own. Start an online document where you just put in the compliments you get from other people. Or the feeling, the times that you felt accomplished. And the reason I ask you to write them down, and I have this on a Google Doc. I can put it up on my phone and do it all the time. The reason you write down who said it and, and give context if you want. Sometimes it's just a saying. It brings you back to that moment. And you emotionally feel like you're back at that moment of, of accomplishment. And that... that parasympathetic, whatever you want to call it, feeling when you're going into a, a high stakes meeting, when you're going in front of a very important client, you're going in front of the board of directors and you're reminded, you read these 10 comments and you're like, oh, I remember when Joe said that. And I remember when, when uh, she said that and he said that and everybody else, the, the lady at the Newark uh, airport uh, United Lounge told me I was walking my purpose. I remember that. And you know, you, you get an extra bounce in your step. That's what other people see, because when, when people want to see if you belong at the table, it's not necessarily what you say. They get that feeling from you as well. 
And we do that through our body language and everything else. Like all of this, all of this stuff's connected. It's all connected. So start your positivity doc. And that's going to help you with your, your imposter syndrome. This is, um, it's legit. And you know, the reason I know those four things work are because those are the four things that I did. And it helps. And imposter syndrome pops into me all the time. It's like a roller coaster ride, right? You're flying high and then something happens and then you fly low. You're like, I really shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough. And then something comes up. You say, oh, okay, I'm back. Then it comes back down. Uh, for every low that you have, you're going to have your high days as well. And the idea is to make that roller coaster go higher and higher and higher and raise, raise the lows as much as you can and recognize that, that you are going on this upward, upward trajectory. I'll move my arm so you can see it on the video. So focus on that. Good luck with your imposter syndrome. Reach out to me if you want to talk about your imposter syndrome, because I have this conversation. It's the same conversation across all the clients. So I might as well just do a workshop on it. Just have everybody share their story at the same time. And you can say, oh yeah, okay. Um, but usually these are the same types of solutions that we have people do. So imposter syndrome is uh, it's real, it's difficult, it's a challenge, and it's worth it to address. So good luck with that. Again, insecurity. Last week was insecurity. This week was imposter syndrome. I'm going to continue on this theme of other aspects, healthy communication, uh, aiming too low. I've got a couple of these ideas over the next three weeks that are going to be helpful for you as well. So keep keep uh, tuning in and staying in tune. Uh, follow me on all your social media, Bellwether Hub. It's the same on everything, just at Bellwether Hub. Find me, join me, and uh, and chat with me. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, you're no longer imposters. You are welcome at the table. And keep rocking out there. And I appreciate it. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.